This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Our episodes deal with serious and often distressing incidents. If you feel at any time you need support, please contact your local crisis centre. For suggested phone numbers for confidential support, please see the show notes for this episode on your app or on our website. This episode was originally released on Casefile's Patreon, Apple Premium and Spotify Premium feeds as an early bonus for our paid subscribers. These episodes are designed to be slightly shorter, allowing us to cover a broader range of cases. To receive these episodes early and ad-free, you can support Casefile on your preferred platform. Well folks, here's my new backyard, said 47-year-old Nadia Medley as she filmed her surroundings with her smartphone. It was Wednesday, May 10, 2017, and Nadia stood alone in the middle of a sprawling paddock on the rural outskirts of Caldwell, Idaho. Nadia slowly panned her phone, capturing the overgrown grass and wildflowers that encircled her. In the distance were trees and the fences of neighbouring properties. There wasn't a cloud in the blue sky, and all was silent aside from the gentle sounds of birds chirping. Kind of liking this just a little bit, Nadia remarked. She honed in on a rundown fence with broken wires that needed fixing. Nadia explained that rebuilding it was one of the projects she had to work on. At her feet was one of her three pet dogs sniffing and chewing on grass. Dogs are the only thing that's grazing now, Nadia joked, but that will change. The land had so many trees that the house where Nadia lived wasn't visible from where she was standing. The pleasure she took in the peaceful country home was evident in her voice as she narrated her video tour of the property. Nadia filmed the farm's henhouse where their chickens were kept, before pausing on a small building further away. Hay shed, she explained. Yep, baby, we're loving it. Just one week earlier, Nadia had moved to the Caldwell farm from her previous home in the city of Ogden, Utah. She kept her friends back in Utah up to date on her new life in Idaho via her Facebook page. There, they could watch the video Nadia filmed of her new backyard. It looks right down your alley, a friend commented. 
That's so pretty, wrote another. It's a ton of work, Nadia admitted, but added that she was loving Idaho already. A few days later, Nadia posted a photograph of her front yard being pelted with rain during a storm. On Thursday, May 18, one of Nadia's dogs clambered onto a tree with her as she took a break from all the yard work. She shared a photo of this too, writing, This silly dog climbed a tree with us today. A month into her time in Caldwell, Nadia completed a survey of 34 questions about her likes and dislikes. She posted the results to her Facebook page. Question 25 asked, Are you where you want to be in life? Nadia's answer to this was simply, yes. Nadia was originally from Germany. She had immigrated to the United States on her own, where she met and married an American man named Todd Medley. The two worked together in a pet store. They also bred small animals at their home to make extra money. In 2002, the couple had their first child, a girl they named Peyton. Almost a decade later, in 2011, Nadia gave birth to her second child, who died shortly thereafter. Three years later, in 2014, while Nadia was still dealing with the loss of her baby, Todd suffered a heart attack and died. With no other family in the United States, apart from Todd's relatives who lived interstate, Nadia and Peyton grew extremely close. They bonded over their love of animals and did fun activities together, such as swimming and picnicking. Nadia described Peyton as one of her favourite people. When two short stories that Peyton had written were published in her school's annual writing anthology, Nadia was incredibly proud. Despite her deep connection with her daughter, Nadia still struggled. Utah felt like a strange place to her at times. Nadia loved the state's natural beauty, but as a staunch atheist, she found its overwhelmingly religious culture quite foreign. The headquarters of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints were in Utah, and many of Nadia's neighbours in Ogden were church members. Finances were also a difficulty. Todd hadn't left behind any money when he died, and now Nadia was a sole provider. She began working as a massage therapist at an Ogden spa. One day in 2015, a man in his late 50s arrived for an appointment. His name was Mike Bullinger, and despite the age difference, Nadia felt a spark right away. Mike was warm and charming with a wide smile. Both loved hiking and exploring the great outdoors. Mike was also an atheist and his values aligned with Nadia's. The two soon began dating. Nadia's friends were thrilled for her. It was clear that Mike had brought happiness back into her life. He was also great with Peyton, sometimes picking her up from school or taking her out for lunch. He became something of a father figure, teaching Peyton outdoor skills like shooting 
or playing with her in the autumn leaves. Peyton seemed to adore Mike almost as much as her mother, and soon she'd started calling him dad. Mike, Nadia and Peyton attended concerts and festivals together, went to the baseball, and hiked and camped in Yellowstone National Park. Because Mike worked as a pilot, he often had to travel for a few days at a time. He made up for his absence by taking Nadia and Peyton on vacations or other adventures that Nadia documented on her Facebook page. By the beginning of 2017, Nadia and Mike had been together for almost 18 months. Things were going so well that Nadia felt ready to ask Mike an awkward question. Her single income wasn't a lot and she was having trouble making her mortgage payments. Nadia had seen Mike's paycheck and knew he made more than $10,000 a month, so she wondered if he might be able to help her out financially. Mike was troubled by the question. He had divorced his wife a decade earlier and Nadia was the first woman he'd been involved with since then. Becoming financially entangled with another seemed far too serious for him and he worried that the relationship was moving more quickly than he was ready for. After a conversation about the matter, the couple broke up. Mike had recently been offered more consistent work based out of Boise, the capital city of Idaho. He'd purchased a rundown farm in the city of Caldwell, about 28 miles west of Boise. The property was around one and a half acres and it had a fully equipped farmhouse that was built in 1964. From the outside, it looked like a modest weatherboard home, but it had four bedrooms and two bathrooms, as well as a spacious kitchen. As he was nearing retirement age, Mike thought the property would be a scenic spot to live out his golden years. The farm needed lots of work, but it was a project Mike was keen to take on. Yet, not having Nadia in his life made Mike realise what he'd be giving up if their relationship didn't progress further. Despite no longer being a couple, they had stayed in touch and still spoke regularly. Both of them missed one another and found being apart very difficult. Within a few weeks, they decided to get back together. Proving how serious he was about their relationship, Mike asked Nadia and Peyton to live in Caldwell with him. Nadia accepted his offer. She looked forward to settling in the countryside and starting a new phase of their lives as a family. The setting also suited the animal-loving Peyton, who would have plenty of room for all her pets, which included dogs, cats, rabbits, chickens, birds, fish, and one snake. She and Nadia planned to raise livestock and keep horses on the land. In late March 2017, Nadia shared the news of her upcoming move interstate on Facebook, posting, Here we come. Just over a month later, on Thursday, May 4, 2017, Nadia and Peyton headed north to join Mike in Idaho. 
With spring in full bloom, the Caldwell farm was green and covered in wildflowers. Nadia and Peyton loved it from the moment they arrived. They and Mike spent a lot of time outdoors, working on the repairs that needed to be done around the property. Nadia posted photos and videos of her country life online, while encouraging her friends to visit any time. On Friday, June 9, Nadia was scheduled to drive to Utah to pick up some horses for the farm. But she never arrived. Wondering what was going on, the horse sellers tried calling her cell phone. There was no answer. It all seemed a bit strange, but as the sellers didn't know Nadia well, they didn't think much of it. As well as being an enthusiastic social media user, Nadia was reliable and replied to messages quickly. When her friends stopped hearing from her, they wondered if something was wrong. Peyton's friends noticed that she'd fallen silent too. The last time she'd replied to a text message was on Thursday, June 8. As she was ordinarily glued to her phone, this seemed rather odd. Still, it was the summer, and she'd just moved to a new place, so they wondered if maybe she was just busy working outdoors and caring for her animals. Mike's family hadn't heard from him either. He had two sons from a previous marriage and neither had spoken to him in days. When more than a week had passed with no word from the Cordwell farm, authorities were asked to perform a welfare check. Deputies from the County Sheriff's Department arrived at the property on Monday, June 19. The area was eerily quiet. There was also a foul odour in the air. The deputies entered the farmhouse, calling out to anyone who might be inside, but there was no reply. Although there were no people in the house, the deputies did find the bodies of several dead dogs, cats and pet birds. It appeared as though the animals had starved to death. Other pets, including some rabbits and a snake, were still alive. Outside, the deputies checked the hen house. It was full of dead chickens. They too had apparently died of starvation. Not far from the hen house was a hay shed. The worst smell seemed to be emanating from there. Inside, the deputies discovered a blue tarp covering something on the floor. Underneath were the bodies of three people, decomposed beyond recognition due to the summer heat. Case File will be back shortly. Thank you for supporting us by listening to this episode's sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... 
Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Thank you for listening to this episode's ads. By supporting our sponsors, you support Casefile to continue to deliver quality content. When a teacher by the name of Cheryl Baker was in her late 40s, she caught a flight to Alaska and found herself seated next to a very engaging man. Gerald was warm and friendly, and the two hit it off. They wound up exchanging phone numbers and began dating when they were both back at home in Utah. In 2010, when Cheryl was 50 and Gerald was 53, they married. Cheryl, who was artistic and creative, made her own wedding dress. The two had a lot in common. Both enjoyed travelling, hiking and horseback riding. Cheryl practised Hinduism and attended the Sri Ganesha Temple of Utah. Gerald took an interest in the faith and would go to the temple with her. He even ended up learning Sanskrit, a classical language of South Asia, so he could better understand the Hindu texts. But the couple had their differences too. Gerald knew a lot about surviving in the wilderness and would sometimes act as a guide for hunting parties. Cheryl hated guns and would have to leave the room whenever Gerald returned from one of these trips. She couldn't stand being in the same space while Gerald cleaned his firearms. Overall though, the couple's friends and family were struck by how happy they seemed. In 2016, six years after their wedding, Cheryl and Gerald went on a rafting vacation together. When they returned, Cheryl was glowing as though she'd just been on her honeymoon. She raved about what a wonderful time she and Gerald had together. At around this time, Cheryl was in her late 50s and had been a teacher for almost four decades. In 2017, she taught at Greenwood Charter School in Harrisville, a city just a few miles north of her home in Ogden. Gerald worked as a charter pilot, so he was sometimes away for days at a time, but he'd been offered a more stable job based out of Boise in Idaho. The couple began to think about their future and what they wanted their retirement to look like. They decided to buy a rural property. Fixing it up together would be a fun project after Cheryl left her teaching position in Utah. The couple purchased a farm in the small town of Caldwell on Thursday, May 4, 2017. The plan was for Gerald to move there right away and start working on things that needed fixing, such as the plumbing and painting. Meanwhile, 
Cheryl would keep living at their house in Ogden and get it ready to be sold. The couple stayed in touch during their time apart, and on Saturday, June 3, they travelled to New Mexico together to attend the wedding of one of Gerald's relatives. Several days later, on Tuesday, June 6, 57-year-old Cheryl worked her final day at the Greenwood Charter School. She was leaving the job to start preparing for her retirement. By this time, Cheryl and Gerald had owned the farm in Caldwell for a month, but she still hadn't seen it in person. Now that she was no longer working, it seemed like the perfect time to surprise Gerald with an impromptu visit. Cheryl wanted to see the farm for herself and also spend some time with her husband. On Thursday, June 8, she let some friends know that she was headed up to the farm. The next time anyone heard from her was several days later on Sunday, June 11. One of Cheryl's friends received a strange text message from her. It read, Take care of my dogs. I don't know if I'm coming back. When Cheryl's brother heard about this message, he wasn't concerned. Cheryl and Gerald loved to travel, so perhaps they went on a last-minute camping trip somewhere. But another week went by with no word from the couple. Meanwhile, in Caldwell, police had received multiple calls requesting welfare checks on Mike Bullinger and Nadia and Peyton Medley. The three lived on a farmhouse not far out of town and no one had heard from them for 10 days. When deputies arrived at the farm, they were met with a grisly scene. Multiple pets had died of starvation after being seemingly abandoned. Hidden under a tarp in the hay shed were three bodies, believed to be those of the three missing residents. All had been killed with a single execution-style gunshot to the head. Identification at the scene wasn't possible. The summer heat had sped up the decomposition process considerably, and the trio had likely already been dead for at least a week and a half. One of the bodies appeared to be that of a woman in her late 40s. Another belonged to a teenage girl. It seemed fairly certain they were Nadia and Peyton Medley. But the third body wasn't Mike Bullinger. Mike's full name was Gerald Michael Bullinger, but he typically went by Mike. Born in Wyoming in 1957, he grew up surrounded by wilderness, which fostered his interest in the outdoors. His family belonged to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also known as the LDS or Mormon Church. It is a branch of Christianity that was founded in the United States. In 1976, when he was 19 years old, Mike travelled to Manila in the Philippines for his LDS mission. Serving as a missionary is considered a rite of passage for young LDS members and is a way for the church to recruit new members all over the world. When Mike returned to the United States, he began studying at an LDS college in Idaho 
where he met another young church member named Jacqueline Garcia, who went by Jackie. The pair married at the LDS Temple in Salt Lake City, Utah in 1978. Almost immediately, Jackie knew she'd made a terrible mistake. The newlyweds argued a lot, and during one fight, Jackie was sprawled across the floor while Mike loomed over her. Jackie saw how angry he looked and asked, You wanted to hit me, didn't you? Mike simply replied, Yes. Eventually, he began acting on this desire and beat Jackie often. At times, she feared Mike was going to kill her. He also regularly cheated on her and lied constantly. Jackie tried everything she could think of to fix things. She contacted Mike's parents to tell them what was going on. She called a domestic violence hotline. She sought couples counselling through the church and sent Mike to therapy aimed at abusive men. But Mike refused to change his behaviour. Eventually, Jackie went to her church bishop and asked for help getting a divorce. A divorce was granted and in 1988 the pair went their separate ways. Jackie was granted sole custody of their two sons, but they still visited their father on occasion. When the boys returned home to Jackie after a stay with their father, the younger one told his mother that Mike had hit him. Jackie called Mike and told him he was not to hit their children. Mike said nothing, but the next time his sons visited, he sat them both down and said that whatever happened at his house was to stay at his house. Not long after he and Jackie were divorced, Mike Bullinger remarried. His second wife was a woman whom he'd been having an affair with. Then, years later, Mike met a teacher named Cheryl Baker on a flight to Alaska. Cheryl had no idea that Mike was already married when they started dating. When his wife found out he was cheating, that marriage ended as well. Then, Cheryl married Mike in 2010, oblivious to everything that had been going on at his end. Mike moved into Cheryl's home in Ogden. As far as anyone could tell, they had a very happy relationship. Cheryl never shared any complaints or concerns about Mike at all. Despite his past as a faithful LDS churchgoer, with Cheryl he embraced Hinduism like she did. Mike travelled a lot for work, but the couple also found plenty of time to enjoy their hobbies together. Then, in 2015, Mike met the recently widowed Nadia Medley at the massage parlour where she worked. Mike then initiated an affair with Nadia. Cheryl's loved ones were adamant that she had no idea Mike was being unfaithful. Nadia's friends were equally certain that her strong morals meant she would never have become involved with a married man. They knew that Mike must have lied about his marital status in order to form a relationship with her. Plus, she had posted openly about her relationship with Mike on Facebook a number of times. If they had been having an affair, surely she wouldn't have done that. 
Given what a small community Ogden was, it was remarkable that no mutual acquaintances of the two women had seen the posts and said something about the matter. However, it also appeared that Mike and Cheryl weren't social media users. Although Nadia shared photos and videos of Mike, he wasn't tagged in any posts. Only later would it come out that Nadia had mentioned a couple of mild concerns to her friends. She thought it was strange that Mike never stayed over at her place and she'd only visited his house once. At the time, they put this down to the fact that Mike said it was his first relationship in 10 years. Perhaps he felt shy or thought it wasn't appropriate to stay at Nadia's with her teenage daughter in the house. Nadia's house in Ogden was just eight miles away from Cheryl's. A couple of years later, in early 2017, Mike convinced Cheryl to buy a farm in Caldwell with him, saying it could be their retirement home. Cheryl borrowed money against the house she already owned to finance the purchase, which was made in her name. The same day that the purchase of the farm was finalised, Nadia and her daughter Peyton moved to Caldwell. Investigators couldn't understand why Mike would move Nadia and Peyton into a home that was owned by his wife, who thought she would be joining him there soon. They wondered if Mike's plan had been to kill Cheryl after using her to buy the Caldwell property so he could form a full-time family with Nadia and Peyton. Perhaps when Cheryl had decided to make an unannounced visit, this plan had been foiled. The Caldwell property was large, but it wasn't isolated. There was another house about 50 feet away on one side and a second about 30 feet away. A neighbour said she'd heard what sounded like a woman screaming in the middle of the night sometime between June 6 and June 10 but she couldn't be sure if it was a person or an animal, so she hadn't reported it to the police. Others thought they'd heard gunshots on or around June 10. They hadn't thought anything of it at the time, as it wasn't unusual to hear shooting in the rural area. DNA confirmed that the three bodies found in the farm's hayshed were those of Cheryl Baker and Nadia and Peyton Medley, The last time anyone had heard from Nadia or Peyton was on Thursday, June 8, the same day that Cheryl drove to the farm. Detectives suspected that Cheryl had arrived at a time when Mike wasn't around. Finding Nadia there instead, Cheryl began to talk to the other woman, and the two of them figured out that they had both been manipulated and lied to by the same man. Then, Mike returned home and became enraged upon realising his deceit had been found out. Maybe Cheryl had threatened to divorce him, leaving him with no assets as both property deeds were in her name. He then shot dead all three women, including the teenager who viewed him as a father, to avoid the consequences of his actions. But then there was the strange text message Cheryl had sent to a friend on June 11, asking for them to look after her dogs because she might not return. 
Investigators believed Mike might have sent this message from Cheryl's phone. The fact that he was nowhere to be found indicated he had gone on the run, and he had a 10-day head start on investigators. Case File will be back shortly. Thank you for supporting us by listening to this episode's sponsors. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Thank you for listening to this episode's ads. By supporting our sponsors, you support Casefile to continue to deliver quality content. Mike Bullinger's photograph was shared widely throughout Idaho and Utah in the hope he might be recognised. He was 60 years old, 140 pounds and 6 foot 1 with grey hair and brown eyes. Soon, tips were flooding in from people who had seen him. On Saturday June 10, Mike had breakfast in Nampa, a city just 10 miles southeast of Caldwell. Then he drove his pickup truck all the way back to Ogden, Utah. He went to a local dealership where a 2007 Ford Focus that he and Cheryl had owned was being serviced. Mike picked up the car and began to drive it instead of his truck. On either June 11 or June 12, a surveillance camera in Swan Valley, Idaho captured Mike entering the city. He had driven back to the state he had fled. The day after that, another surveillance camera caught the moment that Mike paid an entrance fee to the Bridger Teton National Forest, located east of Idaho in Wyoming. The Bridger Teton National Forest is a 3.4 million acre forest that sprawls across western Wyoming. It sits adjacent to the Grand Teton and Yellowstone National Parks, and is a haven for outdoor enthusiasts who love camping and hiking. On Wednesday July 12, approximately one month after the triple homicide, Mike Bullinger's 2007 Ford Focus was discovered parked at the forest's Pacific Creek campground. It was a remote campsite, and it seemed the car had been left there for some time. Investigators were aware that Mike was a competent outdoorsman who would have no issues with trekking into the nearby wilderness. 
His experience as a pilot might have meant he was also familiar with the forest from the air. Law enforcement used police dogs, infrared technology and helicopters to scour the area. It was difficult terrain to navigate on foot due to the rocky ground and thick vegetation. Because Mike was considered armed and dangerous, searchers were on high alert the entire time, just in case he tried to ambush them. Local communities and subdivisions were also checked, as were abandoned farmhouses. But no trace of Mike Bullinger was found. One week after the Ford Focus was discovered, park rangers in nearby Yellowstone National Park spotted an SUV being driven by a light-haired man. The vehicle was similar to the sort law enforcement thought Mike might have acquired if he'd left Bridger Teton National Forest. Two rangers pursued the SUV in two separate vehicles, forcing the driver to pull over. Also in the car was a woman and a seven-year-old girl. The rangers blocked in the vehicle, and soon more law enforcement officers arrived. After about an hour, they permitted the driver to show them his identification. His name was Brett. The passengers in the car were his wife and daughter, and they were on vacation from Missouri. The officers explained that they were looking for a wanted killer and showed Brett a photograph of Mike Bullinger. Brett couldn't see any resemblance, except that they both had light grey hair. The family were permitted to leave. News later broke that they were planning to sue the officers, alleging that they had held them at gunpoint for an hour with no explanation. Other sightings of the wanted fugitive continued to trickle in. Someone thought they'd seen Mike driving in Salt Lake City. After Mike's Ford was found, a river guide in Idaho spotted some men by Henry's Fork, a tributary of the Snake River. The guide thought the men were behaving suspiciously. One of them looked like Mike. None of these sightings could be confirmed. Investigators considered the possibility that Mike had taken his own life somewhere deep in the forest. However, they wondered why he would travel so far from home in the days after the murders if he'd planned on killing himself. Why not do so at the farm back in Caldwell? Perhaps he had hitched a ride with another car out of the forest and left his Ford Focus abandoned there to shake the police off his tail. In an interview with newspaper The Idaho Statesman, Mike's first wife, Jackie Garcia, described Mike as a prolific liar and possibly a sociopath. Another person who knew Mike but wished to remain anonymous agreed. Quote, If you know about sociopaths, you know they're unlikely to kill themselves. He would have to feel guilty, and he doesn't have a conscience. A friend of Nadia Medley also spoke to the newspaper, saying she felt Mike was too egotistical to take his own life. In late 2017, a family was hiking in Bridger Teton National Forest near the Pacific Creek Campground. 
they came across a junction where two trails met. Standing there was a dishevelled man who looked to be in his early 60s. He was alone and looked ill-equipped to be hiking in winter. He had no backpack, water or safety protection and his face was very weathered. The man passed by the family and kept his head down the entire time. When investigators heard about the interaction, they suspected the man could have been Mike Bullinger. Months went by with no further developments in the case. Then, in mid-2018, a gun was found in Pacific Creek. It was closer to Yellowstone National Park than the Bridger Teton Forest, and was fully loaded. Investigators wondered if it belonged to Mike, but it was in good condition and didn't look as though it had been exposed to the elements. More than a year after the murders, in August 2018, authorities regrouped and carried out another search of the Bridger Teton Forest. Roughly 20 investigators from multiple agencies split into four groups to cover a four-mile radius of wilderness north of the Pacific Creek campground. They started at the junction where a family had spotted a suspicious-looking man at the end of 2017. Cadaver dogs went with them. If Mike was still in the forest, investigators doubted that he was still alive. It had snowed towards the end of 2017 and the snow line was right by the Pacific Creek campground. Mike would have had to survive a bitterly cold winter without any proper gear or provisions. Even for an experienced hunter and guide like him, that would have been extremely difficult. The forest was also home to grizzly bears, wolves and mountain lions. If Mike hadn't taken his own life or died from the elements, there was every possibility that he'd been killed by a predatory animal. Searchers didn't recover Mike's remains, however, they did find some other kind of evidence. They wouldn't say publicly what this evidence was, but they told the media it indicated Mike had never left the forest and had died in there. They put out a bulletin advising people visiting the forest throughout the summer and fall to keep an eye out for anything that looked like scattered clothing or human remains. If Mike had died during the winter, then wildlife would have scavenged his remains when the snow thawed. Nothing of significance was ever recovered. Enough evidence was found in Mike's abandoned Ford Focus and at both of his properties to confirm he was responsible for killing Cheryl, Nadia and Peyton. Detectives have not publicly disclosed what that evidence is. Mike Bullinger has formally been charged with three counts of first-degree murder, yet as of late 2022, law enforcement remains confident that he is no longer alive. Mike Bullinger was described as a chameleon who could mould himself to be whatever a particular woman wanted. With his first wife, Jackie, he was an LDS churchgoer like she was. When he met Cheryl, he began attending a Hindu temple with her and even learnt Sanskrit. Then with Nadia, who was an avowed atheist, he said he didn't believe in God either. 
Those who met Mike described him as warm and charming. He had a charismatic personality and was romantically involved with many women. Some wondered if he had found another woman to con and was living in hiding with her somewhere. Others speculated that maybe Mike had used his pilot's license to fly out of the country and start a new life overseas, though no evidence has been found to support this. Cheryl Baker is remembered as a kind, gentle and creative woman, as well as an excellent teacher. For over 30 years, she worked at the Utah School for the Deaf and Blind, teaching children with hearing impairments. Sometimes, she bought school supplies and clothing for students who couldn't afford them, and she also searched for funding grants for the school. In 2011, her hard work was recognised when she was awarded Teacher of the Year by the University of Utah College of Education. Her final job at Greenwood Charter School saw her teaching art classes. This was a perfect fit for Cheryl, who was a talented artist herself. At the Utah School for the Deaf and Blind, a memorial bench has been installed in Cheryl's honour. Two months after the murders, Nadia Medley's brother-in-law, Mark Medley, visited the farmhouse where she and Peyton were killed. He had to sort through their personal belongings and found the ordeal very upsetting. Mark has described Nadia as independent and stoic, with a deeply nurturing side. This side was most evident when she was caring for her many pets and in how she was raising her daughter, Peyton. When Nadia and Peyton were killed, Mark Medley had been in the process of rebuilding his relationship with them. He lived interstate but had recently been getting to know his niece better via phone calls and emails. In one interview, he stated, It felt like Peyton and I were just starting to get to know each other and then this happens. It's a hard pill to swallow. Peyton had her own YouTube channel where she posted videos about her life. In one, she painted her mother's face blue and purple with glitter to resemble the galaxy. In her final video, which was posted around New Year's of 2017, she talked about how she wanted to do things that would make her happy and encouraged viewers to do the same. Do something that will impact your life for the better. Don't just wait for the right moment, because guess what? There will never be a right moment. We don't have enough time in this world to just keep waiting for the right moment, because eventually we'll just give up. What we wanted to do won't seem important. We'll lose the interest, and we'll just live our lives not knowing, you know, that we did that. We'll just live our lives in the what-ifs, and that's not okay. You need to... Put yourself out there because we have one short in life and no matter what you believe happens afterwards, we have one life and you need to live it the way you want to.